Hey everyone, it's Father Pat, here today to offer you my reflections on the scripture readings for today. Our readings today are from the 17th Sunday in Ordinary Time. A reading from the book of Genesis. In those days the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin so grave, that I must go down and see whether or not their actions fully correspond to the cry against them that comes to me. I mean to find out. While Abraham's visitors walked on farther towards Sodom, the Lord remained standing before Abraham. Then Abraham drew nearer and said, Will you sweep away the innocent with the guilty? Suppose there were fifty innocent people in the city. Would you wipe out the place rather than spare it for the sake of the fifty innocent people within it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to make the innocent die with the guilty, so that the innocent and the guilty would be treated alike. Should not the judge of all the world act with justice? The Lord replied, If I find fifty innocent people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham spoke up again. See how I am presuming to speak to my Lord, though I am but dust and ashes. What if there are five less than fifty innocent people? Will you destroy the whole city because of those five? He answered, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. But Abraham persisted, saying, What if only forty are found there? He replied, I will forbear doing it for the sake of the forty. Then Abraham said, Let not my Lord grow impatient if I go on, but what if only thirty are found there? He replied, I will forbear doing it if I can find but thirty there. Still Abraham went on, Since I have thus dared to speak to my Lord, what if there are no more than twenty? The Lord answered, I will not destroy it for the sake of the twenty. But still he persisted, Please let not my Lord grow angry if I speak up this last time, but what if there are at least ten there? He replied, For the sake of those ten, I will not destroy it. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our response, Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. I will give you thanks, O Lord, with all my heart, for you have heard the words of my mouth. In the presence of the angels, I will sing your praise. I will worship at your holy temple and give thanks to your name. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Because of your kindness and your truth, for you have made great above all things your name and your promise. When I called, you answered me. You built up strength within me. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. The Lord is exalted, yet the lowly he sees, and the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk amid distress, you preserve me. Against the anger of my enemies, you raise your hand. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Your right hand saves me. The Lord will complete what he has done for me. Your kindness, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the work of your hands. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians. Brothers and sisters, you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. And even when you were dead in transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he brought you to life along with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, obliterating the bond against us with its legal claims, which was opposed to us. He also removed it from our midst, nailing it to the cross. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. 
He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not subject us to the final test. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend to whom he goes at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived at my house from a journey, and I have nothing to offer him. And he says in reply from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. I tell you, if he does not give, if he does not get up to give the visitor the loaves because of their friendship, he will get up to give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. And I tell you, ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish, or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? If you then, who are wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. If you've ever visited the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., you are faced with the absolute horror of what evil the human race is capable of. We can wrap our minds around the possibility of an individual who, for whatever reason, delusion, mental illness, diabolical influence, does something inhuman. But for an entire nation to be complicit in such an act, how does that happen? One of the major tactics of the Nazi party in uniting German citizens behind their plans was propaganda. Following the Nazi seizure of power in 1933, Adolf Hitler established what was called the Reich Ministry of Public Enlightenment and Propaganda, headed by Joseph Goebbels. The ministry's aim was for the Nazi message to be successfully communicated through art, music, theater, films, book, radio, education, and the press. So basically every form of communication. The German public was fed a strict diet of information, much of it exaggerated or downright false, that influenced the people to accept that what their leadership was doing was a matter of justice. The Nazi party successfully formed the minds of its citizens in such a way that many of them, through military service, supporting the war effort uh, in the factories, assisting in the identification, deportation, imprisonment of Jews or other enemies like Catholic priests or religious sisters, became murderers or accomplices to murder and genocide. Hitler could have never implemented his plan without the support of the people. The, prolifer the proliferation of countless channels of communication, both in broadcast and social media, makes, makes such a scenario possible even today, scary to think about. It's amazing the number of times each day we hear quote-unquote facts from one source that directly contradict so-called facts from another source. Ideological forces are quite intentional about trying to program the minds of their listeners to embrace their particular worldview, regardless of what the truth actually is. And that's, that's true on the right and the left and everywhere in, in between, I hate to say. Heck, there are, there are a whole bunch of celebrities out there whose, whose self-declared profession is that of influencer. Sadly, few of them have the credentials to legitimately influence us about anything, and yet influence us they do. But believe it or not, propaganda can be a positive thing. Prayer, or at least prayer as Jesus taught us, is divine propaganda, leading us not to evil, but to perfect good. 
In our first reading, we hear of perhaps the first invitation to prayer in human history. To get a better sense of that, it's helpful to read the verses just before the point where our reading picks up for today. We hear in uh, just before the beginning of our first reading in, in the book of Genesis, the Lord considered, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do now that he's about to become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth are to find blessing in him? Indeed, I have singled him out so that he may direct his children and his household in the future to keep the way of the Lord by doing what's right and just, so that the Lord may put into effect for Abraham the promises he made about him. Now, there is, shall we say, shall we say a situation in Sodom. The citizens had become evil, and they had attempted to sexually abuse two visitors sent by the Lord to the city. Actually, it was two of the visitors that visited Abraham in the desert on, on, in last week's reading. While the uh, Lord could have certainly administered justice on his own, he chose to share with Abraham his plans to destroy the city due to the wickedness of his citizens. Abraham's nephew Lot and his family also live in Sodom, by the way, and so Abraham naturally wants to persuade God to be merciful on behalf of any innocent people, however few, who could be found there. Now, to be clear, God's not really looking for Abraham's input. However, because Abraham has chosen to lead the people of Israel through his own example of faith, the Lord does, wants to influence Abraham to embrace the divine will, to do what God uh, desires for the people, which, of course, will lead to their happiness. Abraham's, you know, mercy for the people of Sodom is likely a little bit selfish because he's got a desire to protect his own nephew. But through Abraham's interaction with God and Abraham's intercession on behalf of the people, Abraham begins to better understand the mercy and justice of God himself. In this and in other conversations with God that will follow, Abraham is going to enter into a deeper communion with God and become uh, evangelist and prophet and our father in faith. In our gospel reading last week, the story of Martha and Mary's relationship with Jesus suggests to us the joy of intimacy with God. Today's request from Jesus' disciples that he teach them to pray is, is really just a continuation of that same theme. You know, these guys have likely prayed with Jesus many times, singing the Psalms or reading the words of the prophets during a liturgies in the temple and in the synagogue. But they also notice Jesus sometimes goes off by himself to pray, and the incredible peace in Jesus' face after his conversations with his Father in heaven. So the disciples want that same intimacy with the Father. So Jesus teaches them what becomes the paradigm of Christian prayer. The Lord's Prayer is so central to being a disciple of Jesus that it's common to, to all baptized people, Catholic and non-Catholic. If you ask any Christian to recite the Lord's Prayer, they're going to be able to do it, right, from, men, from memory, probably. Adults who seek baptism through RCIA actually formally receive both the Lord's Prayer and the Nicene Creed to profess and to accept as a summary of our faith. So the Lord's Prayer is important. But when, so when Jesus follows the words of his most famous and intimate prayer to the Father with a further teaching on prayer, it's important to, to read the latter, his teaching on prayer, in light of the former, which is the prayer itself. We sometimes like to focus on these words. And I tell you, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For whoever, who, for whoever asks, receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So Jesus says that all we have to do is pray, right? He's going to give us whatever we ask for, right? Wrong. He wants us to ask, to seek, and to knock, and we will receive. 
but he doesn't say what we will receive exactly. We will find, but what will we find? When the door opens, who or what is going to be behind that door? The Lord doesn't promise that we're going to get what we order, but only that our prayer will be answered. A little later, Jesus clarifies, If you then who are wicked know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to those who ask him? When we pray, and more specifically, when we pray the words of the Lord's Prayer from our hearts, we ask for God's name to be hallowed or honored, and we ask for God's kingdom to be established and for his will to be done. And when we pray in that way, God sends us what? The Holy Spirit. So that in imitation of Abraham, our father in faith, we're formed into true children of the Father. What does St. Paul say? Second reading today. You were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. We, who are dead because of sin, are raised to new life. Not sinful, human life, but a share in the divine life, through the grace of baptism and continued formation through the sacraments. But it all begins and is sustained in the words of the Lord's Prayer. The more we pray it and the more we embrace it, the more our hearts and minds are changed and we become like God. Prayer changes lives. And the Lord's Prayer builds a kingdom, one disciple at a time. Prayer is good not because it changes God or his plan. Prayer is good because it changes me and you. The Lord's Prayer, the most glorious piece of propaganda ever created, But I guess that's not surprising. Consider the source. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Have a great day.